Welcome to Dare to Be Legendary, a podcast brought to you by Diversa Partners. In this podcast, we'll be sitting down with some of the brightest minds in tech, the founders, the visionaries, the entrepreneurs, the executives that all have one thing in common. They are the leaders of today that are entirely transforming the technology ecosystem as we know it. In each episode, our guests will share their journey, vision, and market expertise with us. They are the ones who dare to be legendary. First and foremost, uh, an intro to Diversa. Diversa Partners is technology's go-to specialty firm that builds the executive teams for growth stage and venture-backed companies. I have been in the retained search arena for over 25 years. I lead the Dreamscape effort, which we will talk about uh, further in this program. Uh, Thrilled to be with everyone today and uh, thrilled to be a part of the Diversa and uh, Vinrock initiatives uh, at this stage in our business. Michelle? Yeah, so I have been with Diversa for about eight years now, but really for the last two years, I've been focused partly on internal operations and building Dreamscape from its earliest days. So that's how I've come to work so closely with Shara, the talent partner over at Vinrock, and I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. I'm Shara, the town partner at Benrock. And what we do at Benrock is we partner with entrepreneurs to build companies across tech and healthcare. But let's jump in and get started. Clint, can you can we just start with what is Dreamscape? Yes. So Dreamscape is a business unit within Diversa Partners that is dedicated to ensuring there is Black leadership represented on the boards and executive teams of the most important companies in technology. Kind of plain and simple opportunities for Black leadership in tech. And Michelle, you've you've been working on this since the beginning. How did you build it? Yeah, it's a good question. So we started this division in 2020 and essentially spent the first nine months entirely focused on building network, building relationships. The firm had always had strong relationships in the Black executive community, but we wanted to really take the exercise to figure out who are beneath those executives that are up and coming into the VP ranks and also who are maybe beside them in industries outside of tech that might need a bridge into the tech industry. So we spent the better part of 2020 really just doing the work. We didn't uh, talk about this externally. We didn't uh, actively seek out client engagements, but we did invest a lot of resources into making sure that we had a solid network as the foundation for the project. So then come early 2021, that's when we started to figure out how do we put the network into motion and provide value there. So we started looking for clients and partners that we felt were aligned with our mission and can help us further work by expanding connections, expanding the opportunities for the Black leaders in our network. And that's how we got engaged with Brex and Robinhood on direct board searches, and also how we opened discussions with Shara and the Venrock team about how can we partner together to have a much broader impact than just one board seat. So we are super, super grateful for that partnership with Venrock but also some of the outcomes that the team was able to drive last year as our first year really operating the business. So we placed Tashanda Brown-Duckett, the CEO of TIAA, onto the board of Rex. Dara Trisader, who's the SVP of marketing at Peloton, joined the board of Robinhood. And then Elisa Harvey-Dawson, who's the chief legal officer at Gusto, joined the board of Applovin, just to kind of name a few there. So it's been 
really exciting to see Dreamscape go from concept to network to outcomes. And now the next chapter for us is really about impact at scale. Yeah. And why do you think it's so important to focus so intently on Black representation right now? When I first heard about Dreamscape, uh, even I said to myself, can you really do this if you only focus on Black representation? Uh, But what I've come to understand is really two things. Here at Diversa, we have a history of being brutally intentional. We pick a problem, we apply all of our resources, and we guarantee an outcome. Candidly, that's how we do search. The second thing is, in the context of diversity, Black executives are the most underrepresented in boardrooms and leadership teams. We wanted to take it head on, and we decided it was time. Because if there aren't people out there who are willing to specifically and intentionally focus on this population of, candidly, super talented and deserving executives, it might not ever happen. So real and meaningful change just doesn't happen unless there's someone willing to make it their singular mission. We figured, why not us? Yeah, I I just want to add to that. Venrock has also been super aware of this and and thinking about ways that we can be more intentional on how we can support our companies as they grow to think about this better, earlier, and more deliberately. So no, it makes total sense. Yeah. So let's let's turn it around here just a little bit, Shara. Can you share, please, your perspective on how diverse leadership teams and boards set up a company for long-term success? You know, to, to put it as simply as I can, I think diverse teams build better and more successful companies for the long term. Uh, diversity in backgrounds and ethnicity and gender brings diversity of thought and perspectives and innovation. It leads to environments where people see themselves reflected in the communities and corporations that they work in, uh, which make them more productive, more motivated to work. You know, you know, where and how can we create cultures where people do their best work? This is the answer. Let's talk a little bit about the Venture Expansion Program. You know, what is the Venture Expansion Program? (laughs) Let's start with that, Clint. You know, why did you choose this path? Yeah, so, you know, I think direct board work was always an obvious play for us. Partnering with really important companies to help them add Black representation to their boards was something both the industry needed and the candidates were hungry for. Uh, We can knock these out one by one and know that we're making a difference, but we knew that there was a need for really something broader. So as it relates to venture network expansion, this is how we're trying to affect change at the scale of an entire venture portfolio. While we were in the network building phase last year, having conversations with a wide range of Black executives, we realized the trend was when asked, Do you have any relationships with partners or talent leaders in the venture community? The answer was almost always no. So Shara and the Venrock team were super passionate about the idea of helping us build bridges between black talent who did not naturally have these relationships or people in their circle of influence at this level and the venture community. It just simply made sense. Yeah, so that's very much our why. But I think people are probably curious about your side, Shara. So tell us about what happens on your side of the fence in the partnership between Venrock, Dreamscape. What was your motivation for jumping in this? What's your intention? How does this help you do your job? Yeah, you know, my job at the end of the day is to build awesome, game-changing companies. And, you know, when I 
meet with CEOs on on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, um, the first thing that we talk about is talent. You know, I, I run talent at Benrock. That's so natural. But literally in the next breath or without taking a breath, the topic of diversity comes up. And, you know, I remember when I, I first started in this role several years ago, I was so encouraged that it was top of mind for literally every leader that I was meeting with, you know. But what was so strikingly obvious as, you know, I dug a little bit deeper around, you know, the why and and what the strategies were was that there was a lot of intent, but very few solutions. You know, people wanted to do this better, but didn't really necessarily know how. Um, I think we're all super aware there's no magic wand when it comes to diversity. You can't, you know, automatically build a diverse team tomorrow. Um, You know, the best strategy as in all recruiting is a a multi-pronged one. And ideally it needs to start as early as humanly possible. And what's so awesome about the concept of Dreamscape was that it was starting out with really one of the roots of the problem, which is access. There are incredible Black leaders and executives, but because of the nature of network-based recruiting processes, you know, limiting job descriptions, you know, I, I could name kind of a, a million reasons we're, we're kind of in the situation that we are today. There was a, a natural struggle um, of even getting them on the radar. And what this partnership did off the bat was introduce us to incredible executives so that, you know, as these roles come up in the portfolio, um, you know, we have a relationship with them versus, you know, building a diverse slate from scratch every time we approach a search or or um, build a pipeline in the portfolio. Yeah. And can you give us the behind the scenes on some of the impacts this has had within the portfolio? Yeah. Maybe I'll start with kind of the process a little bit because, you know, it's been so impactful the past year, but... But there were so many ways to approach it, as you'll remember, Michelle. You know, do we look at specific searches? Do we look at specific companies, specific profiles? You know, um, one of my favorite things about the Benrock portfolio, um, and what I think is super fun about what I get to do, is how diverse it is, right? In terms of size, stage, industry, um, and in a way, I you know I feel like this partnership really was so complimented because it created a lot more opportunities, not less. You know, um, we iterated this past year on different you know network profile strategies, process strategies, um, refining and articulating what we're really looking for in board roles specifically, um, as opposed to kind of the uber specific way a lot of these conversations start where um, these roles are formed they're coming saying hey you know we need someone with xyz in their background who do you know you know we get to be thoughtful opportunistic and think about these recruiting pipelines a whole lot earlier um, and as a result of this partnership i would say you know the percentage of of black leaders that that i speak to um, is more reflective of the population that we live in you know, which is, you know, I think an, an incredible thing to be able to say, um, you know, especially in in the venture community where that that really tends not to be the case. Um, you know, one of the board searches I'm most proud of last year um, was for a Series B company. And, you know, getting to advise and help these portfolio companies and think about diversity a lot earlier than when it traditionally comes up has been um, super impactful and and just, you know, an awesome result of this partnership. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about accounting for Black representation on boards specifically. I think the the first thing we want to address as a step before that is, you know, how do you run an inclusive process uh, at the board or executive level? How do we make sure that there's Black representation on our slates? Um, 
What's the dreamscape framework for this, um, for board searches or searches in general? Yeah. So I think what we've learned over the last year is that every company is at a different point in their readiness journey when it comes to figuring out how to run an inclusive process. So no one has it 100% figured out. But when we think about running a dreamscape process, it's definitely more involved and more consultative than most straightforward searches. So our goal is, yes, to make a placement. But also, we really want to teach clients a framework that they can internalize, apply more broadly diversity at their leadership level, and just kind of leave them with the tools to build a more diverse organization even after we've made our placement. So our framework is simple, but it centers around uh, two factors that we call our two eyes. Uh, the first being inclusivity. So being really inclusive about where you source candidates, the way that you scope the profile, that actually makes a huge difference in who you're able to recruit for a role. So for any search where diversity is kind of the centerpiece of what you're trying to accomplish, you should be thinking about what are the criteria in the role that actually allow me some flexibility, some creativity, so that I can be more inclusive of diverse profiles. And our second I uh, is intentionality, right? So in our case, it's being super intentional about making Black representation the centerpiece of the process. I think what we've realized is these outcomes don't happen by accident, right? You really need to curate a process around the outcome that you want. So that relates to scoping the profile, but it also is making sure the entire process is inclusive. Everyone is aligned and accountable for how they're going to be a part of driving that successful outcome. That is the dreamscape framework in theory. Um, but I also wanted to give a case study of what this looks like in practice. So that you have something a little bit more tangible to consider. Um, so we just completed the board search for App11. It is a $30 billion market cap, high growth company in the gaming and content space. So they came to us with a really strong board, but two open seats. Um, so we had some flexibility to come up with different archetypes of board leaders that would allow us to make diverse placements. So our intention was to make sure that at least one of those placements added Black representation to their board. I don't want to sidetrack us on this, but I, I do think the fact that there were multiple open seats was actually really impactful to the search. Most boards are built exclusively, right? So by the time we're starting to think about diversity, you got one seat uh, and it's got to be multiple diversity criteria uh, in order to be compliant with requirements and all that, that, that jazz. But when that's not the case and you actually have a little bit more room to work, that's where you have the real room to be flexible and figure out how do you scope both profiles so that you end up with a cohesive and diverse board. So when we kicked off Rap Lovin, there were a couple of different archetypes that we had scoped so that we could put up a really diverse slate of candidates, both functionally and in other characteristics too. I think one avenue that we felt really strongly about was actually legal and compliance. Um, so App Lovin's business has a really big data component. And so all of the changing regulations and data governance laws they felt like it would be a really valuable perspective for them to have on their board. So it is not a common board director profile, uh, but it is a perfect business case and profile that allowed us to target a more diverse group of candidates. Um, so we ended up bringing on Elisa Harvey Dawson to their board. She's the chief legal officer at Gusto, and she's been a fantastic compliance lens for them, but also business leader on their board. Um, so our mission through Dreamscape is to make sure that there's specifically Black representation on boards. But this framework we're talking about here, like it can be applied more broadly to any search, any role. Like the, the key tenants are if you're willing to think creatively and flexibly about 
who you interview, how you qualify them. That's kind of the formula for success when you're thinking about how to build a diverse team. So this is our framework, uh, but there are many schools of thought on how to run an inclusive process. Are there other techniques and approaches uh, or just guidance you give to your founders in the portfolio? That's a great question. There there are so many strategies um, on how to run an inclusive process. Maybe instead of talking about what to do, because you made some really awesome points, um, I can highlight some key mistakes, like you know, uh, bumps that I see people make uh, when designing these roles and processes. That if you're if you're not super aware of, I think it can really affect the outcome of the search. One is, and we've talked about this a lot today, is intentionality. If you see building a diverse team or board as a nice to have versus a need to have, that will directly affect your outcome. Um, the other is is literally how you write the job description. Um, it is so so easy to rule out amazing leaders by being overly prescriptive here. You know, whether it's saying, you know, you're hiring for an audit chair and it needs to be a CFO that's, you know, taken a company public three times, or, you know, we, we all have um, examples of great overly prescriptive scenarios here that, that limit the pool of candidates that you're interviewing and speaking to. And I think there can be some incredible qualities to focus on instead, whether that be grit or, or, or what have you that, that are more important than scale when thinking about hiring a board member and looking at potential based on, on their background versus like just what's on a resume can be super meaningful in opening the aperture of candidates that you interview in a way that will surprise you. And you mentioned this earlier, um, Michelle, but, but wanting to take all the boxes and, and solely one hire, I think can really limit you at the end of the day too. And then how you design the process itself, you know, whether you're working with a search firm or or your board or a talent partner or what have you, you know, these processes need and should be run by the founder and CEO. You should be thoughtful around, you know, uh, who's interviewing, who, you know, what does your what does your interview panel look like? Is do, do are people going to see themselves reflected in the interview panel? Because that can affect the outcome as well. Clint, what, what do you think is the role of a company when it comes to a search firm? And what is the role of a search firm, right, when it relates to diversity in search? Yeah, right. so I needed a second to take in kind of all of the goodness that you all just shared. I mean, that was wonderful reminders, even though I'm, you know, Michelle and I are, are shoulder to shoulder every day. But, um, you know, it's it's amazing. It's really simple. And so we find ourselves amazed at how often this gets messed up. But when it comes to the role of the search firm, specific to diversity in a search, it is a partnership. There's somewhat of this fallacy that if you hire a search firm, that diversity all of a sudden becomes their responsibility, delivering you diverse candidates on a slate. Now, we can absolutely do that. But the reality is, when it comes to driving the search successfully, it has to go much deeper than that. You know, our role as we see it is to counsel clients through how to be inclusive and intentional, our two eyes, about diversity at every step of the process. But there are things that we can't implement ourselves. We can tell you how to prepare for your interviews. We can tell you how to prepare the team. Uh, We can help to drive alignment for the goals of the search. But there has to be accountability on behalf of the client to help us implement that guidance. You said, Nice to have versus need to have. Nice to have does not work when you're serious about diversity. It must be a mandate, it must be serious, and it must be a need. So 
We don't need our partners to be at 100% on the readiness scale. They don't need to have all of this figured out on their own, but we do need them to be at 100% on the willingness scale. They have to be really ready to understand this framework. They have to look at their organization and really partner with us to figure out how to implement it and drive a successful outcome. It sounds very simple, but we all uh, are amazed sometimes when it goes awry. So that's really from our viewpoint. But how about you, Shara? Where, where do you see the division of labor between the hiring company and an external party or even a talent partner when it comes to diversity in a search? What's the role of the talent partner within their portfolios as it relates to pushing for more diverse teams? You know, what's so unique about uh, this role in a venture firm is that we really get to work with our portfolio companies over time, regardless of what searches are open, when and at what point in their life cycle they're recruiting for specific roles. So it's a privilege to be able to advise our CEOs on, you know, what to think about before before they kind of hit that curve in the road, right? And or or that growth step. So in our role, we we leverage the existing network. We can be opportunistic. We can kind of share, you know, non-reactive thinking over time. You know, things our, our leaders should be thinking about for the long term, especially when it comes to diversity. And you know, my role at the end of the day is to be a close advocate and partner and you know, I think processes like these are are just you know too important to screw up, <laughs> frankly. No. And uh, it's it's important stuff. Yeah. So loaded question from the diversa dreamscape guy here, Shara. <laughs> but how does a company know when it's time to bring in a search firm for a board search versus leveraging their network to fill the seat? Ugh, if I had a penny for every time I get asked that question, and and it's an important one, and there's no one answer. Um, it really differs from project to project. You know, timing is an issue sometime. Um, I always advise, you know, spend a few weeks, you know, look through your network, leverage your board, you know, leverage, leverage your the the talent partners that you know that are that are involved. Um, but if you look around in a couple of weeks and your pipeline does not look diverse, you know, you it that's where I think actually search firms play such an important role, right? Because it helps open the aperture of the network that you're speaking to. Um, and like we've talked about, you know, access is the root of, you know, a lot of what we're talking about here. So um, that's where I think, you know, especially in thinking about diversity for the long term, you know, leveraging a search firm can only help and make your pipeline that much more diverse because you your network is only as big as your network is, you know. Um, and that's where Dreamscape has been so helpful. It's created a ton of access to black executives in my my own network, Benrock's network, and has already made a, a significant impact on our portfolio companies. Got it. So, you know, we've talked about how to run an inclusive process. This is an important framework that can be applied to searches at all levels, but it is make or break for us as we think about how to elevate black talent into leadership and board roles. Let's spend a few minutes talking specifically about board roles for a moment. As big strides are being made right now towards more black representation on boards of tech companies, you know, we just recognize there is still a phenomenally long, long road to go. And so, Shar, I want to kind of stay right here with you for just a moment. You know, what high-level trends are you seeing as it relates to board directors and board director searches 
whether that be profile of board directors or timing of the search? And how has this really evolved over the last year or two? Yeah. Um, I love this topic. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this this past year. Um, you know, first and foremost, you know, almost every single board search that has come across my my radar this past year has been focused on diversity, which I, I think is an awesome and important trend. Another is I see founders thinking about investing in in building their boards and the value that that can that can add much earlier in their life cycle than, you know, traditionally it's like, oh, I have a few investors on my board. And then, you know, six to 12 months before they go public, they're like, oh, wait, you know, I I need to add a few more people in order to go through this process. And, and, you know, I see founders and CEOs asking themselves this question earlier. You know, it's kind of unique is, you know, we, we live in a market where actually most CEOs are founders. Right. Um, you know, at least from my purview. And a lot of them are doing this for the first time, hiring for their boards for the first time. You know, rarely do I work with a founder who's done this 10 times already or 10 times before. And, and so they're actively thinking about when do I do this? What are the right profiles? You know, what's, what's the best independent profile versus investor profile? Should every investor be on the board? You know, there, there are a lot of questions to be answered here and using diversity as a lens, as, as you think about the dynamics as your board of your board holistically is, is so important. Um, thinking about when in someone's career arc, um, just thinking about profiles in general, you should recruit them for a board. I think gone are the days of the you know retired CEO profile or you know hiring someone for brand alone. I think there's an important trend where people are seeing that great board members are actually you know active operators and builders who have a great listening to talking ratio. They're intelligent. They're engaged, and they haven't necessarily been on a board before. You know, just to comment on diversity on boards in general, because I think it's an important point to make. I think a a complementary group of leaders on a board is not just investors versus independents, not just commercial leaders versus you know product leadership versus people leadership, general managers versus functional leaders. I I think it's also gender and race. This is important if you think that different life experiences will improve decision making on a board. Um, and you know, super importantly, your board should reflect your employee population. It should reflect your your customer population. And I think we cannot underestimate the cultural and performance benefit of having a board where each of your employees and customers can see themselves reflected. It's it's incredibly empowering. And I say that personally as well. Yeah. So this is you're getting me a little bit fired up because I I agree across the board that traditional board profiles are ridiculously limiting. Um, sitting or retired CEOs and CFOs, uh, candidly, are just not traditionally a diverse population. And so if companies are truly serious about bringing more diversity onto their boards, the profile of a board director has to expand. You know, uh, for us, in the case of Robinhood, uh, we decided that brand and marketing was a super important perspective that they need to have represented on the board. And that became our avenue for engaging with Dreamscape candidates for the seat. As Michelle shared earlier, you know, we went through a similar process with AppLovin. They decided that one of the areas that they could really use a voice on their board was legal, compliance, and data governance, just given the nature of their business. And that's how we ended up bringing someone who's a chief legal officer onto their board. So, you know, AppLovin, as an example, is a really important 
$30 billion market cap company who deviated from the norm that we see other companies get stuck in. Many founders and CEOs optimize for the, you know, been there, done that in every role on the executive team and their board. But if some of the biggest and highest flying companies in the world can break that mold, if we can help them push that mold and really open the aperture a little more than they've been comfortable with, you know, so can the next generation of companies that are starting to think about building their boards right now. That's where it starts, but somebody's got to continue to be part of driving the change, period. I couldn't agree more. Clint, what are the trends that you're seeing as it relates to the candidate side of the market? Yeah, you know, um, things are moving incredibly quickly for candidates across the board right now. In a very short period of time, you know, we went from calling executives and saying, have you ever considered board work to how many boards are you on and do you have capacity for more? At the macro level, this is a good thing. Great problem to have. This means that progress is being made but it makes the recruiting environment difficult because most people are only recruiting the few black executives in their network that they know, rather than really dedicating themselves to expanding their network. The last thing to note on the candidate side is there is an educational gap as it relates to new black board directors. And as a black man, I do not mean that we are collectively undereducated, but We all want black executives on boards. Our clients want to support them. But there's also some institutional knowledge about what it means to be a board member that has not been passed down to them for generations in the same way it has for other populations of executives. We've been kept out of the room. And now we need to teach them how to be at the table. That's something that's going to be very important to Dreamscape. It's really around board member enablement. It's not just about having someone show up and take the seat. It's having the ability to put the right tools in their toolboxes so that when they get there, they're able to help build something. But that prompted a thought, Char. I want to take it back to the concept of board member enablement a little farther for just a moment. Is this a consistent theme in your portfolio too? I, I know what we're seeing, but... What is the advice that you're giving to new board directors on the resources and preparation that they need to be effective in their you know, first few board roles? That's a great question. Um, you know, there's some awesome board readiness programs out, out there. Um, the advice I give and, and just personally work to facilitate across the portfolio is, you know, which I think is just as important as you know, helping build the pipelines is mentorship. For every board member, you know, we're helping place, you know, I I see the next step is helping surround them with mentors and board members that they can learn from, whether they're doing this for the first time or not, by the way. I, I think this applies to everyone. You know, it's funny, I I talked to um uh, a board member who um took on their first board role about you know eight months ago. And so, you know, they're they're kind of like three or four board meetings in, so to speak, right? And what struck me most from our conversation, which I think we can all relate to, is um, how they felt, you know, those first day of school jitters, right? Well, you know, walking into that first board meeting, doing something they've never done before, which a lot of us feel, you know, in the same situation, but don't don't outwardly talk about. And and they weren't sure what they were going to expect from the meeting or the best ways that they were going to drive impact right off the bat. 
And what was so fun to hear was, you know, just the amount of impact they're feeling that they're they're making at the board level and, you know, how to take their their operational knowledge and, and expertise and, and help build more than one company at a time. It, it, was a, it was a really fun conversation. Clint, what factors do you think pose the biggest threat to increasing Black representation at the board level? I'm, I'm sure you can think of a couple. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think there are four major themes that probably have each kind of, you know, 4,000 things underneath them. But there are four major themes that pose a threat to industry-wide transformation and really getting more Black executives on board. So uh, the first is the tendency to wait too long to address representation on your board. If you build your board exclusively, which can happen by default, if you're a venture-backed company and and then you're 12 months out from an IPO and, and you're now forced to address it, you've really put yourself in a really difficult position because your time constraints and your lack of room for flexibility around profile, as we talked about earlier, you got now one seat who you needed to be an audit chair, who needs to be a woman, who needs to be a person of color. I mean, as you can see, that would ridiculously multiply the challenge. The second is um, the one we already addressed when we talked about the Dreamscape process. Companies need to have pragmatic and flexible expectations about the profile and background of their board directors. We're not saying just take anyone, but as we've described in some of our case studies, where we've ended up with successful outcomes, you need to be very deliberate about what makes sense to add to our board, to add value. That's where you're going to make a difference. The third is, you know, is there an existing culture of inclusivity at the company? This is kind of where I started our conversation today, which is search firms do not show up to solve your inclusivity issues. It is more and more becoming a buyer's market for board members. In every conversation we're having, the topic of inclusion comes up. Are there any Black members of the leadership team? Why not? How does the company handle a culture of inclusion? And so it's really hard for me, again, as a Black man, to hear a client say to me, Clint, can you all help us fix our diversity problems? Well, when there's no one on your entire website, there's no one in your C-suite or on your board who looks like the people you want me to attract, just get ready. We've got to roll up our sleeves and get to work. It's, so that's a real challenge. And then finally, you know, it's really what we just talked about. Lack of experience as a board member in the greater diversity community. And in this case, we're talking about the Black community. I don't say that. Uh, They'll do this intentionally or maliciously, but many companies will use this as an excuse for why they can't bring a Black executive onto their board. It is our responsibility as a community to bring them along, give them the tools and education that they need to succeed. Boardrooms 10 years from now will look phenomenally different than they do right now, both in terms of diversity of color, of gender, but also in terms of background, functional expertise an archetype. But that next generation of board talent is being built right now. Board experience cannot be the prerequisite for a board role if we want to truly create this change. So 
We collectively need to create a system that fully engages and lifts up this new generation of director. It is not solely my responsibility. It is not solely Michelle or Shara or anyone on this call. You don't get to say the word diversity if you're not serious about being inclusive and brutally intentional, period. Yeah. Clint, I just want to highlight, I think, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions I see when uh, leaders kick off a board search is thinking that previous board experience can be a prerequisite for the role. It can be so limiting. And in my experience, I think the best board members are, are the ones that you find four or five years before everyone else is calling them, actually. You know, you you cannot underestimate those profiles um, in any way, Absolutely. shape, or form. So I couldn't agree, agree more. Now, Sarah, I want to take everything we talked about here and start talking about action steps, right? So what can a company do if they want to start thinking about taking bigger steps towards inclusivity in their hiring process and specifically being inclusive to Black talent at the executive level? I mean, first and foremost, I think it's assessment. You know, where where are you at? What is your employee and customer population and board look like? You know, what are your processes look like? What are your goals? I don't know about you guys, but if I don't set goals, I'm not accomplishing them, <laughs> you know? And, you know, how are you enabled to be as intentional as possible? How are your teams enabled to be uh, and empowered to, what tools do they have to execute on these goals? And not only that, it's not, it's not like a one-off thing. Like, how do you keep a pulse on how it's working so you can iterate, evolve the process um, and do it better over time, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's exactly right, right? Like the audit is the good place to start. But I think if I were doing it, the lens I would have is where are the intentionable, actionable steps that are built in that are actually going to enable your recruiting teams to be successful? Like, are they working or are there holes in your process? If you're, you know, say recruiting a CMO right now and diversity is a major focus of the search and most of your candidates aren't getting past your interviews with your CRO, right? Like, Where's the misalignment and expectations? Start with getting really curious about the feedback and the data that your hiring process is already giving you, right? I think from my perspective, the reality is that while the executive level goal setting needs to happen and the company needs to line up to it, like that's not where the problem gets solved. The problem actually gets solved in the work, right? And I think that there's this tendency in talent to push down the responsibility. Like my TA team is not bringing me enough diverse candidates, right? But I think that conversation really needs to change from, hey, we need to source more candidates from diverse backgrounds for this role to, okay, how can we work together to enable that, right? Like, how do we open up the profile? How do we think differently about our requirements? What are the things that we can do to enable us to be successful in the way we think about diversity? I don't know if anyone's sick of hearing me say this yet, but I think we beat the drum on this on every search that we work on. It's about being inclusive. It's about being intentional. So if you start with the assessment of where do those concepts do or do not come into play in your hiring process right now, and then think about what are the small actionable steps forward that you can take on them. Yeah, great points. Guys, let's zoom out a little bit. I think last year was you know an incredible year for Dreamscape, but what does 2022 look like? <sighs> okay. You know. <laughs> easily, I guess the, the, the right answer here is, one, we're going to scale our impact. Board building, venture network expansion, uh, we're building our team, 
Uh, we're working diligently on a robust internal network strategy. We've also got to continue to educate and advocate in an unabashed kind of way. Our internal team uh, on the Dreamscape framework and process, we've got to continue to be a strong voice in the market for Black representation in tech throughout and across the board. But we're going to do that in multiple levels. So certainly, we're attacking the board. We're attacking the venture network. We're attacking the, the tech community. We're also working on some things around really touching things at the grassroots of our community that we're going to hold for uh, some internal surprises. But And then finally, it's about a partnership strategy. We have to identify and make sure that we find the Venrock relationships where we both are unconditionally committed and we go all in. And then a little bit corny, but I have to say it, we here at Dreamscape are really serious about what we see for our dream of what boards will look like. And so we have to keep dreaming unconditionally, no matter what anybody says is not possible. That's what's up for 2022. Thanks for listening to Dare to be Legendary, brought to you by Diversa Partners. Feel free to check out the show notes for resources that we've mentioned throughout the episode. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, share with friends, and leave us a review. This helps us get content to more listeners like you. Thanks again, and stay tuned for our next episode.